37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 121 of Pixelated Paranormal, the episode where the topics are made up and the points don't matter, because <laughs> I am all hopped up on hot toddies. I'm uh, getting down with the sickness currently. I have a nasty sinus thing going on. I bit my tongue, and then last night I decided I would bite about a quarter-sized chunk of my cheek right off the inside, so definitely a hurting. But it's not going to stop us from delivering an episode, and with me tonight, I have, as always, my faithful sidekick, Preston. What's going on, spooky people? <laughs> you know, we didn't take the picture uh, last week like we thought we would with uh, when we had Rob in the car. Oh, yeah, we were going to take the group photo so they could all see us in the uh, paranormal mobile on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Steve's not with us tonight on this episode because we kind of did this last minute because uh, I am not feeling very well, but I do want to definitely record something. But um, I mentioned this briefly, I think, on the last episode. But yeah, we did Pixelated for a purpose, and Rob surprised the hell out of us uh, and showed up unannounced over at uh, Corey's house the, the day before, technically two days before, but the day before when we showed up. Yeah, it was odd having, uh, you know, being able to have him make fun of me in person. You know, usually he just <laughs> does it over to the Xbox chat. I know. So. <laughs> yeah, that was the first time you guys met in person. Yeah, and it was the first time I ever drove in a car with him. I had to say that, that that's an experience all, to, all together. So. <laughs> I mean, the scariest thing yeah. pixelated paranormals ever experienced. <laughs> like, I'm not sure he knows what the brake system of a car is. Like, he just mm-hmm. goes, and then it's like, oh, shit! And then he stops, like, last minute, so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it goes from zero to holy shit in not that long of a time. Yeah. I don't know if that's a Rob thing or just a Kentucky thing. So no, Kentucky listeners, you might chime in and tell <laughs> yeah. us how you drive. Well, guys, this episode, um, you might hear a couple extra noises in the background because I'm not going to edit. I'm just going to slap this baby together like a sloppy Joe and serve it to you guys. <laughs> Hot and steamy. And it might be a little shorter. I think we're shooting for about a half an hour, give or take, because, uh, again, I do not feel the world's best right now. <laughs> Uh, but not like the time I had the puppy flu, or as I started calling it, tuberculosis. Yeah, tuberculosis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to put in sound effects. <laughs> great, but dumb ting. But yeah, uh, real quick, just a huge thank you again, guys, for your generosity. You really blew us away this year for uh, Pixelated for a Purpose, and we raised not quite three grand, so... Yeah, after uh, Corey's sister, she did uh, her own little uh, stream on our team uh, yeah. Saturday and got like an extra 220, 234. So we ended up yeah. being at like 2,817, 2,816, yeah. somewhere around there. Something so like that, yeah. not oh, yeah. too shabby. Yeah, and big shout out to you, Kaylin, for doing that. We, uh, we really appreciate that. And hopefully next year, you might be able to join us in person. But otherwise, um, I don't think we're going to waste much time. Is there anything at the top of the episode that we need to announce? 
Uh, no, well, we're going to talk about the uh, EVP that Colin thought <clears throat> oh, you yeah. may or may not have heard. So if you, if you listeners uh, checked out last episode, he messaged me that around 12 minutes and 30 seconds or 12 minutes and 50 seconds, um, there was an audible something noise that uh, he thought was a, a clear EVP of not one of us or one of him talking. Mm-hmm. So I haven't Go got a chance it. to listen to it yet, uh, so I can't... Uh, give you my scientific knowledge on it but uh yeah it's a very breathy is that a word breathy a very uh it can be if you want it to be okay <laughs> it's a very breathy sound um you know I, I don't know it almost to me sounds like someone goes yeah or or something and it could easily just be noise pollution from the highway or the neighborhood dogs and whatnot you know who knows yeah. what it is but i definitely want to go back to his place and uh, if nothing else, just tell some more tales because that guy is just a, a well of creepy stories. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty awesome, dude. So, yeah, listen to that, man, and, and see what you think and let us know as well. That'd be interesting to see what's going on with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um, on this episode, inadvertently, we're kind of going to be talking about another cryptid um, I just read about for the first time this morning. Um. But we'll get to that here in a minute. I want to share this really funny news story here. And it's it's a shame Steve's not here to comment because I think he'd enjoy it. But in Hilton Head, South Carolina, a South Carolina man went to McDonald's for a sweet tea and received a little extra herbal substance on the side. The <laughs> Island Packet reports Parrish Brown went to McDonald's on Hilton Head Island and asked for a sweet tea with light ice and extra lemon. Brown now believes extra lemon is code for marijuana because he also found inside his iced tea three bags of weed. (laughs) And he said he didn't realize this until after he was already high and looking in his cup. He says he'd never had marijuana, so he wasn't sure to recognize the taste. He says he paid regular price for the items, not street value. Beaufort County Sheriff spokesman said, Uh, The investigation is ongoing. He didn't specify which McDonald's Brown had gone to, and McDonald's has yet to respond to a request for comment. So I can't even imagine how that happens. (laughs) Well, I can't imagine, like, you take a sip of that and you don't think something's wrong with the tea because, you know, um, I mean, just imagining how marijuana smells. Like, you know how objects that they kind of have a taste similar to how they smell? Mm-hmm. Like, you would think that they would notice that dank, swamp-ass taste in their right, tea. That, that musty skunk. Yeah. But, I mean, shit, that's as far as our real experience with weed goes. <laughs> right. It's like like Bigfoot swashed his dick in your tea, and you're like, hmm, yeah. is it marijuana or is it Bigfoot's dick? I don't know, but I'm going to keep drinking because I paid a dollar for this McDonald's tea. <laughs> right. Uh, it's got that really distinct skunk ape smell taste. Yeah. Uh, well presto why don't you get things started on this episode and then uh, i'll follow up once you're done with uh what you want to talk about here yeah so uh you know occasionally while i'm at uh, work and i'm working and stuff i will listen to you know podcasts that have like some ambient you know background noise going on Mm -hmm. and um my uh my associate um she she's not very good at distinguishing between you know my voice 
and all the other podcasts that I listen to. So every time that I have a podcast on, it's like she automatically assumes it's us talking. <laughs> and so she's, oh, you you know, you guys are, are so interesting. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's not our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast. And uh, so we were in the lab working, and I had a, a show going on. And um, it was talking about, like, sacred geometry and, um, you know, the, the coincidence uh, around the Earth, around, like, the number 12 and, and things like right, that. Right, right, right. And uh, <laughs> they were talking about how um, some things, like, like ideas and notions get lost and some of it has to do with, with culture. So native Americans, for example, with Bigfoot that, um, throughout history, there's always been folklore of the Bigfoot creature in native American history. So to them, that was the real thing. They never questioned it. So when, you know, the white guy came over and started populating, um, there were, there were no folkloric background to Bigfoot. And um, so for the longest time, it was just considered a myth. And so you wouldn't have the settlers having these interactions with this creature or this entity. Then in the late 1700s, early 1800s in Germany, they discovered a thigh bone of what they called the ape man. Now, this was an era where, you know, science was really like egotistical. And so they would just like spout shit out their ass and people would be like, it's 100% factual. So off this thigh bone, this German anthropologist basically said that, you know, he knew for a fact that the, the ape man, you know, had a diet of, you know, woolly, uh, r- woolly rhinoceros and, you know, he was like eight feet tall and blah, 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 and all this bullshit. And because at that time people took that to heart, you started to see an increase in Yeti sightings in the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, um, because it was being published in the newspapers, like, you know, the discovery of the mighty ape man, um, all of a sudden people in the United States started seeing having sightings of Sasquatch and Bigfoot. And then they started believing or reading into the Native American folklore and it made it more prevalent. So because that belief is now in the forefront, it's like it opened their minds to the phenomenon. Mm. And um, that also led on to the topic of the Island of Man. Do you know anything of the Island of Man? Yeah, I've, I've read and heard about that you know, pretty frequently. So there's this little tiny nugget of uh, gold hidden away in the, in the British Isles uh, called the Island of Man. And um, it's kind of, I guess it's part of Ireland. It's like in that weird, like between Ireland and Great Britain. And uh, the, the, the myth is that was the island of the fairies. And so the people that inhabited that island, um, they, they had their own interactions with the fairies. And so as technology progressed, they built all their railway systems on what they called fairy streams, where the energy was the highest. And for the longest yeah. time, it was like one of those places where you can kind of go back in time. So like modern technology... Uh, wasn't prevalent, so you could still get a horse and buggy ride. You could still take a steam power train, but they they even had their own uh their own language uh called like the the manic language, and mm-hmm. um it was an old form of Gaelic that was derived from the fairies, and because even up until like 1936, 1926, when the last person that spoke the actual language died. 
because of that belief, um, this blacksmith reported uh, saying, you know, within the last 30 years, he hadn't seen a fairy because more and more of that, uh, the, the manic society was going away. So less people spoke this sacred language, less people, you know, put stock into the folklore. And so up until the 1930s, all these people were having these interactions with this fairy, but then because the sacred language died out and nobody spoke it, they lost that connection, um, to, to that side of the, of the, of the, you know, the realm of fairies and gnomes and, and all that. And so I thought that that was kind of interesting that, uh, you know, that this language, this sacred language was their connection to the spiritual realm and it allowed them to interact. And then once that language died out, that connection died out. And so maybe all these folkloric tales of giants, you know, Bigfoots, fairies and all that, it has mm-hmm. something to do with our belief system in it and our connection to those folkloric tales. So as we're listening to this in the lab, um, she starts to talk to me about the, the uh, Festival of Giants. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> right. In Italy, because um, she's, she's from Germany, but her family is from Italy. And so once a year, they have this giant festival called the Festival of Giants. And you have a female giant and a male giant. And in Italy, um, it's Kronos is the giant and his wife, mm-hmm. you know, Maria or whatever. And they create these big, giant wooden statues that the people wear and they uh, put dresses around it. And then, like, you know, they have like this two day festival where they're dancing in the streets and they're partying it up. Uh, and it's all around the tales of these giants. And so not only is it in Italy, but it's in France. And, and there's all these European countries, over like 300 countries, um, these little cities celebrate this festival throughout the year. And uh, she was telling me that in Italy, that the festival was basically wrapped around the idea that the people were the servants to the giants. So instead of the giants being like heroes that saved them or something, they were basically like the giants took over the city. And even after they died to kind of help, you know, tone down the, the, the spirits, they would have this festival every year. So I decided to do some research and um, couldn't find Dick, really, which is sad. <laughs> right. Um, but in France, um, they have the first weekend of July. So here in America, we blow shit up. But in France... They celebrate uh, the Festival of Giants, and uh, there are more than 300 giants representing the cities of the region, and uh, the giants measures between six and eight and a half meters in length, so 20 to 25 feet. So these right. guys put on these giant, you know, wooden uh, costumes, and uh, basically... Um, in, the, in their city, uh, the, the Festival of the Giants is centered around the fact that they were having a war, and this family of uh, giants, uh, the son was named Bibbin, and mm-hmm. uh, the dad's name was G-A-Y-A-N-T, so giant, and uh, <laughs> the other two sons were Jacquet and Filion, and the wife's name was Marie. And so you have these four giant costumes and they basically, the giant family came in and killed off all the invaders. And so as a celebration, they honored these giant people with a festival every year. And this festival has been going on for three or 400 years. And 
that's really the only information that I can kind of get on it. Um, you know, it said that there are, you know, 300 cities in, around the French region that celebrate different giants, but I couldn't find like who the giants were, what the fuck they did. Yeah. But then that got me thinking about uh, the that uh, is it the uh, Fosh Not Festival or whatever yeah, it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That uh, they celebrate in uh, no- is it North Carolina or Georgia? Oh, I, I forget, man. Honestly, I can look it up for you while you're talking, though. Yeah, that's fine. Anyways, we came across it because we, we played that game Fallout 76. And <laughs> right. uh, basically that that city that uh, the the festival takes place in um, is, is like the little Sweden of, uh, of, you know, USA. So a bunch of Swedish people had when they migrated over to the United States, they'd settled in that region of uh, the Appalachian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so in that festival, they basically, you have like different hats or mask, you know, you have the sailor, the, the witch, uh, you have uh, father, uh, winter, uh, you know, uh, there's like an owl, there's all these different masks, these big paper mache masks that people wear. And basically over here, the idea is that, um, you celebrate this festival for three or four days and then you're symbolizing um, at the end of it from going from um, you know fall to winter. So it's a celebration of the equinox. And then after they you know they do this dancing around the city and have this giant parade, they light this bonfire that has a you know a mask of Father Winter on it, and that celebrates you know the basically kind of giving into his spirit and allowing right. the, the winter energies to come in. Looks like it happens in February, and it is a oh. Pennsylvania Dutch celebration. Oh, well, that fucking game lied to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might not. Uh, let's see here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so I started to look up the history on that in actual you know, uh, Switzerland, where it comes from. And basically what had happened was um, in Basel... Um, around the 14th century, there was a bout between citizens and noblemen at a jousting tournament. And mm-hmm. it basically ended with four noble people being dead. And so for retribution, um, the emperor Charles V uh, beheaded 12 citizens and declared Basel as a banned city. So the people of Basel were basically like, fuck you, and let's create a big festival and have a party. And that's how that that festival started in, in that country and uh it goes on for like four or five days it starts at 4 a.m and uh they basically just wear like mask and drink and party and dance in the streets and have a good old time oh yeah so it's kind of weird that it was a celebration over there of uh you know to basically throw back the banning of the city in the government's face but then over mm-hmm. here it has to do with the celebration of the equinox changing from one season to the other Right, and apparently a Fosnock donut is a common sweet treat Ooh. during the festival. It also, um, the German, fo- uh, I'm sorry, the, the giant lore from Europe reminds me a lot of uh, Gryla and Lepaludi, the uh, Icelandic Christmas, uh, Christmas giants. Yeah. Yeah, Gryla and her uh, Yule lads, the 13 little pranksters. Oh, yeah, we talked that. about her on one episode. Yeah. Yep, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Gryla was a giant as well. It doesn't say that her children were necessarily, but uh, Gryla and the Yule Cat were both giants, for sure. Oh. Like Lepal- I, we didn't look up uh, Lepaludi either, her husband. 
But it says here he's lazy and mostly stays at home in the cave. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dad. Well, that's awesome, dude. I think um, I think it'd be neat to sometime look into German lore more about like the giants and celebrating that kind of stuff. You know, because over here we celebrate Bigfoot a lot and uh, Mothman and the um, oh shit, man. Sorry, I'm still buzzing off of these things. The Flatwoods monster, stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, it'd be neat to see what kind of other stuff they celebrate over there in Germany and Iceland and stuff like that. I think it'd be kind of a cool deal to to look up sometime and research. Yeah, well, yeah and I think I want to do more on the island of Man because this whole uh, this language they actually now they're trying to bring it back because uh, they got a recording of the last person who was able before he died. Um, they had him go through the whole alphabet and like um, they're trying to bring him back. So for about a 40-year period, there were less than one person who could speak it. And now because that, that culture is trying to bring all that back, um, uh-huh. there are now roughly 2,000 people that actually speak the language of, of Manic. Oh, and, no uh, Yeah, and uh, the reason why they lost it was because uh, the British and the, the, main, uh, the main Ireland, uh, the main continent of Ireland or the island or whatever, um, they thought that, uh, they were like, kind of like backwards hillbillies. And mm-hmm. so as they were trying to get into modern day society, they taught the children less and less because they didn't want them to be looked down upon, uh, for speaking this backward hillbilly language. And, uh, so they just basically just kind of lost it after a time. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, shit, scribble it up on the old to-do list and let's get back uh-huh. at it sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Hell Yeah. Well, from what we were talking about earlier today in the Festival of Giants, um, I was trying to find something to kind of tie into that to make a little bit more uh, a little more meat in this episode. So I just happened to type in giant cryptids and hit search on the old Google machine to see what would hit. And I discovered this weird thing that's kind of a somewhat more modern day uh, discovered cryptid called the Ninjin. Have you ever heard of that at all? Nope. The Ninjin. Okay. So it's spelled N-I-N-G-E-N. And this appears to be... My voice just cracked. Listen to that. Uh, it appears to be kind of Japanese in its origin because it's mostly found kind of off the, off the coast of uh, Japan and also uh, Antarctica and the Arctic Seas. But I'm just going to kind of paraphrase here what this website says, because it might just be a little bit better to do that instead of trying to summarize it with my own words here. But basically, over the last few years, a lot of these strange rumors have been circulating about this extra large, weird humanoid life form or creature that's been uh, seen by a lot of whale researchers and deep sea fishermen. And they're saying, if you want to believe, you know, the eyewitness accounts, that a lot of fishermen and a lot of whale researchers are seeing some large creature in the ocean nearly 20 to 30 meters long. They say that the eyewitnesses describe these long, weird creatures as having smooth alabaster-like skin, a human-like shape, oftentimes with arms, legs, and even five-fingered hands. They say some of them have been seen to have large, singular legs, almost like a mermaid, with uh, fins, and also the only identifiable, you know, facial features like a man would have is these creatures have two large, oily black eyes and a slit for a mouth 
similar to a fish or a classic gray alien. So if you can imagine this thing, kind of uh, just a real long, skinny, lanky, what, what's what's 20 meters, 90 feet roughly? Um, Sure. <laughs> 20 to 90 feet long. But yeah. basically just a long, spindly, gangly, alabaster white man. Ew. It reminds me a lot of kind of like those things on that Attack on Titan, actually. But supposedly the phenomenon has been going on since the early 1900s but really hit the main attention of the masses back in November 2007 in an issue of MU Magazine. And the article was titled Antarctic Humans, and they started speculating about the possibility of an unidentified creature inhabiting the southern seas, and that it also included a Google Earth screenshot of what looks like a ninja in the South Atlantic Sea, just off the coast of Namibia. And I'll include some photos because the only problem you have in this story, just like a lot of your classic stories of, you know, cryptids and monsters, is there are very few photos that you could, you know, actually label as, quote, real, because a lot of them are hoaxes or artist interpretations. So I'm going to try to include just, you know, the, the most reliable, excuse me, the most reliable photos I could find here of what people claim they actually took photos of. But it says uh, Google Earth has an actual screenshot showing what looks like the ninja just off the coast of Namibia. And it says the government is believed to have kept detailed records on sightings, but have yet to release any information to the public. Because releasing something of this magnitude, you know, pun intended, could just again turn the, uh, the normal world on its head. Because all of a sudden you have to not only go to work at a nine to five job you hate, pay a mortgage and also keep up with your social life. You got to do all this now realizing there's fucking giants in the water. That's not too easy. So ninja sightings seem to occur most frequently at night, making them all the more difficult to photograph. Still images show that these sea cryptids mostly look just like ice, long, smooth at the surface, but somewhat human-like in appearance. When the photographs are enlarged, they can sometimes see definitive arms, shoulders, legs, and in a few cases, faces. In any case, no convincing photograph has ever been made public because they do not exist or because, some argue, the government still doesn't want you to know and also invite any undue scrutiny and tarnish the reputation of whale researchers and deep-sea fishermen. Because the minute you say... You know, hey, forget about Loch Ness Monster. We have giant white humanoids in the water. You're going to basically throw off all sorts of Arctic research, whale researching, you know, commercial fishing boats and everything else. You know, science, all that kind of stuff would just be basically, you know, thrown overboard. Some people think these creatures might just be misidentified whales, sharks, or squids. Possibly a new species of giant manta ray or what is called an aquatic sloth perhaps an evolutionary descendant of the Thalassocnus? Yeah, that was not pronounced correctly. Or just a misidentified iceberg. So what's interesting here is there was a, the first actual case of this going mainstream was this, um, hang on a second here. Sorry. Um, basically, there was this U.S. submarine it was just off the coast of, you know, Japan. And they were going through these deep Arctic waters. 
and they thought they were off in the distance seeing an iceberg, you know, underneath the water. So they all run up to the top of the submarine and they start watching this thing and they realize it's kind of maneuvering through the water. So now all these submarine, you know, Navy men are freaking out thinking, holy shit, there's an enemy submarine making its way toward us. So they get down there, they get on the periscope, they get, you know, all the weapons ready and whatnot. And next thing you know, they think, oh shit, it was an iceberg after all, because they start passing by this giant white alabaster mass. And then the captain gets called to the top of the uh, submarine. They all rush up to the top and they realize looking down, it looks like a 60 foot long person just swimming across, you know, the surface of the water. And they said they watched it for a long time, got their cameras ready. And as soon as this thing kind of realized what they were or, or that they were there, it looked at them and then just submerged itself back under the water. And that was really the first mainstream story of people actually coming across this thing. But what's weird in a, in a, you know, a strange epilogue here is that there's a lot of rumors concerning men in black-like situations where people who have claimed to see this, whether they're you know military people or just fishermen, claim to have these strange featureless, you know, pale humanoid men coming to their doors, knocking on the doors and uh, telling them, hey, listen, we understand you saw something strange just off the coast of blah, blah, blah. We want to let you know that uh, you didn't see anything and we strongly urge you to forget about what you talked about. And again, these men in black are, you know, very, very strange in comparison to typical, you know, government officials. They've got, you know, thin lips, small noses, it looks like they're wearing, you know, creepy lipstick, and they just don't quite act normal. Their, their emotions are kind of herky-jerky and all this other weird stuff. We ought to really do an episode about Men in Black sometime. But basically, they're being told not to discuss what they've seen. Now, a lot of people who are, you know, proponents also claim the bulk of these photographs and half-baked stories have been publicized so much that it's all just a big cover-up and similar to the Slender Man, just an online competition or an online hoax. But what a lot of other people say is, no, this is the real shit, and that's how you make a classic cover-up of something so serious. Because in today's world, you know, you can legitimately see something strange, blow it up, and then all these people all over the internet are going to try to basically fluff up your content. You know, fake photos, fake backstories, mm -hmm. fake videos, stuff like that, so... Um, but what's weird too is a lot of people claim this might be something more than just, you know, a cryptid. It could be an actual surviving or actual, uh, metaphysical embodiment of Japanese yokai. And you're kind of familiar with yokai. Can you tell us a little bit about what those would be? Yeah. So, uh, yokai are like elemental demons, um, mm -hmm. which in, you know, Japanese folklore, um, demons are just like spirits. So you could have a yokai, um, you know, that would be, um, uh, you know, like a spirit that inhabits a tree and there's one that's like a severed baby arm hanging on a bl bloody rope. And its only job is to try to grab you as you're walking by, 
Um, there are other uh, yokai demons that live inside your toilet, and their only job <laughs> is to like you know try to grab your asshole while you're taking a shit. Um, there could, <laughs> what a terrible existence! Yeah, there could be uh, um, you know yokai of the wind, so you know spirits of the wind that do different things. Um, so uh, basically, the the belief behind it is all like you know the wind, the the uh, the t- changing of the temperature. You know, the slamming of doors, the basically mm-hmm. all of that's inhabited by a spirit, and they gave each one of those spirits a name, um, and they, you know, they have a description of it. Um, you know, there's one that's a cow that's on a spider's body. Um, mm-hmm. There's one that's just a giant, you know, kind of like a white, bluish wall that's got a face to it. So, you know, like imagine like a 12-foot-tall SpongeBob, um, <laughs> and its only job is just to block you from uh, crossing bridges. Um, oh, wow. It has no no other job other than that, so... Well, that's a the the Baku is also a uh, a Japanese yokai that they kind of attribute this thing to, or also the Kappa, and we talked about a Kappa, which is kind of like this sea imp that um, kind of looks like a Skeksy almost from Dark Crystal, but it's got a very flat head that has water in it, and if you knock one of these things over and spill the water out of its head cap, then it dies. Yeah, a lot of people are thinking that this actually may be a physical embodiment of these Japanese spirits. Because, like I said, a lot of times people say they see them off the coast of Japan, and then they go through the Arctic water, and then they're seen, you know, kind of nearby Antarctica. So, I don't know. It's it's something neat. I couldn't find a whole lot more information than what I just told you guys about it, and I looked and looked for two or three hours to find, you know, more sightings and more information. But it just seems kind of vague right now because... Maybe this actual creature is kind of in its infancy as far as sightings and also lore, you know, because every every boring sighting oftentimes mixed with a little bit of creativity gives us these very rich, you know, folklore backstories to the creatures that we kind of fall in love with. So, yeah. And uh, I have a quick update on my yeah. story. Uh, I took <laughs> I took five minutes to Google it. Um, so uh, there is in West Virginia... Um, the town of Helveta, uh, oh, they, cel- yeah. they celebrate Foshnok, um, and they've been doing it for over 150 years. And um, it's not the celebration of uh, fall into winter, it's the celebration of winter ending into spring, and that's mm-hmm. why they burn old man winter. And Helveta has been doing it since 1869. Oh, okay. But explains why uh, Helvecta was the city you go to in uh, yeah. Fallout. And uh, they stopped in the 30s and 40s because uh, they didn't want, because of their German and Swiss background, they didn't want people to think they were enemies of the United States. But then in the 60s, people were like, fuck it, let's party it up. And so they started it back up. And uh, usually you can go to the the museum, and uh, around the time the festival starts, they have a display of all the different old man winter masks they've made over the, the last couple hundred years. So That's badass. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, I have an update for you. Apparently, Uh-oh. if you make a hot toddy and you boil your cinnamon with the uh-huh. sugar and the nutmeg, yeah, it turns into a really disgusting cottage cheese-esque congealed mess at the bottom of your uh, hot toddy. Well, well so there you it, go. <clears throat> yeah, it almost snaps you out of that nice little lethargic buzz you get because you're like, oh, God, did I just eat a whole handful of spiders? Or snot. <laughs> or snot. Yeah, it might have been my just backwash. Who knows? <laughs> That's gross, so... Cool. Well, there you go, guys. I know that might not have been (laughs) 
five-star A-plus information on this episode and content, but I didn't want to not, we didn't want to not do an episode. Um, I hate that when there's a show I, I count on that doesn't drop something on a week and you're just like, what the fuck? What the fuck, guys? Well, there you go. Now you got a little bit of history on festivals that you didn't know were going yeah. on. And you a know, giant j- naked man who swims across the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it could be like Nazi experiments gone wrong because, you know, the Nazis were in uh, the Antarctic for a long time. So. That's true. That's very true. The world may never know. The world may never know. Well, buddy, let's. do we have a teaser for the next episode? Are you uh, are you about done with your research for your next topic, do you think? Ooh, I'm getting close. Okay. Um, I'm trying to find a good way to split it up so we can do the episodes back-to-back so we don't have yes. to do, you know, a episode and then five... You know, shows later we hit part two, so... <laughs> right, okay. So should we plan on something uh, something else for next episode, then you need a little more time to get ready? Yeah, let's uh, let's do the first episode of December, because uh, we'll okay. have one more... What do you think? One more episode in, uh, in uh, November, or two more episodes in November? Um, yeah, we should have one or two. Let's just count on that. We'll get back to our deep dives in December. But you yeah. know what? I'm gonna make it up to everybody on the next episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna cook you up something special. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get back into that sexual hauntings through the ages book that I've got. <laughs> Ooh, you know, I came across a website called like myhaunting.com or myghoststories.com, uh-huh. which have really um saucy tales. Yeah, you know, they're they're <laughs> some of them aren't that great, but then you get down to the listener comments and they really jazz it up the way people Ooh. pick on each other. So, you know, we might do uh, just uh yeah, you know, some saucy ghost stories with mm. some cheesy ghost stories. So, you bring the sauce and I bring the cheese. <laughs> they just All right. I like it. I like it. Yeah, we're going to have something <laughs> special for you guys on the next episode. We'll get Steven back up in here as well and then uh, we should be doing our first uh, our first 13 Nightmares episodes should be dropping, I do believe, the week of Thanksgiving. That way you got something extra to listen to on your uh, your travels to your family, get-togethers and whatnot. So, man, we have been getting a lot of books. I just picked, uh, I just picked up the original Exorcist uh, in hardback. I can't wait to get into that. And then there's tons of other interesting stuff. I'm getting ready to do my uh, deep dive into the Andreessen Affair which is a really interesting uh, close encounter, the fourth kind abduction tale. Yeah, very, very famous. Um, I think, if I remember right, I want to say I read part of this book back when I was in the sixth grade, and I put it down because it creeped me out too much. So I'm anxious to get back to that and see if this is the one that got away, because all I remember is a woman getting abducted by aliens, and at one point she finds herself in an alien zoo, yeah, and seeing a bunch of weird lemur creatures crawling all over the glass of this uh, oh strange encampment. So, um, you know, speaking of paranormal books, real quick, I was uh setting up Disney Plus for the kids tonight. Oh, nice! And I had my uh, phone open, and uh, Facebook. One of our uh, buddies tagged us all in a uh, picture of uh, Wendy's new logo, which is the Wendigo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my daughter saw that, and she's like, "Oh my God, what happened to Wendy's? She's a she's a Wendigo now." And I'm like, "What?" She's like, "You don't know about the Wendigo?" She's like, "I read all about it in a book, and it had Thunderbirds, and it had Wendigos in it." And then she's just start going on on like this like eight minute rant about Wendigos, and I'm like, "Hold up, you know about Wendigos?" And she's <laughs> like, "Oh yes, they can eat your dogs. They're cannibals. They can turn you into ghosts. Have you ever seen Pet Cemetery?" 
And I'm just like, what the fuck? It kind of tugged <laughs> at my heartstrings for a second because I'm like, I'm r- finally rubbing off on one of them. You just, you teared up and you just. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Hell yeah. That was the same kind of weird shit we were probably reading when we were her age. It's so. <laughs> fantastic, man. Um, Have you watched anything good lately? Anything that you want to uh, suggest to people? Nah. Dr. Sleep? I actually really enjoyed Dr. Sleep. Yeah. I'm really bummed that it's not performing well at the box office. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be like one of those cult classics where even though it, you know the, the studio might have lost money in the long run, people will appreciate that movie later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about how uh, you, you know this younger generation of kids, um, J- Jack Torrance as a villain is not iconic as Pennywise, so that mm-hmm. connection to The Shining is not there. So they have really they have no connection to this movie, mm-hmm. and so why are they going to sit three hours through a movie that they have you know no connection to, where it's the older generation that grew up on The Shining, grew up on Stanley Kubrick's film that were like, holy uh-huh. shit, this is amazing. Um, so you know. That is a good point. I like uh, I like the original Shining, you know, pretty well. But it is something that it aged well. But the actual threat level of you know Jack Torrance versus you know Freddy Krueger, unfortunately, we've don't get me wrong. Jason Voorhees is one of my favorite all time you know horror villains. But he's just he's kind of watered down. He's very bare bones to a degree. I don't want people throwing yeah. their you know their podcast phone across the room, but it's, <laughs> it's it's a physical threat that he's just keeps coming. And back then, you know, when Kubrick was making The Shining, and probably back before that, when when uh, Stephen King wrote it, it's more of a mental horror. It's more of a suspense of like, holy shit, my father is trying to kill me. Right. You know, psychopaths are terrifying, but to this current, you know, Conjuring and uh, Lorraine and uh, what's his nuts, you know, Warren. Ed. Yeah, thank you. Lorraine and Ed Warren uh-huh. movies and all that kind of crap. Like, Jack Torrance just is not that imposing. Yeah. You know, like he was before to that original audience. But I th- I think that uh, The Shining was fun. I think that uh, Dr. Sleep was a fantastic movie, and I have debated to go back and see it again a second time. Yeah. yeah. And it was one of those, we saw it on accident because we were trying to get to the theater in time to see Joker. Mm-hmm. And then we got there and realized we'd missed it by like 20 minutes. So we're like, well, fuck <laughs> it. Let's we're, we plan on a movie. Let's find a movie. And I'm like, Dr. Sleep it is. Yeah. I'm glad that you didn't take Jeffrey to go see the lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> I, now don't get me wrong. I love the lighthouse. I thought it was just, it was shot beautifully. It's a fun Weird ass movie. Brady and I went and saw it on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, but I, I Brady told Shayla he's like, "Yeah, you definitely dodged a bullet because it is not a movie my wife would have enjoyed at all." It's very much in the same vein as uh, The Witch and maybe Midsummer and some of those other kind of slow burn psychological what the fuck kind of movies. So I loved it. I'm glad we saw it, but definitely. Uh, might be one you watch at home. Yeah. Because <laughs> some people <laughs> have not enjoyed that movie the least bit. I liked it a lot, though. So Hell yeah. Yeah. And then uh, my wife and I just finished watching Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner on Netflix. It's a four-episode series on, uh, oh, David, I forgot his last name, but he is a uh, a cook. And he goes out to different countries with one you know famous comedian or actor 
uh, and they experience culture and food from different countries. They went to like Cambodia and some of these other places, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really neat to watch an intimate conversation, you know, between him and these, you know, people that you really think are just untouchable, you know, celebrities, and you find out they have, you know, some similar concerns and similar drama in their lives and, and uh, you know, question where they came from and that kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool. And again, great documentaries about foreign places and foreign culture. You know, everybody should be watching this kind of stuff, I think. Hell yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, man. Well, everybody, listen to Mark's solo show, Pixelated Sausage. Check out his attack, The Backlog. I don't know if they're still making new episodes, but Preston, what's my favorite NASCAR sports car podcast? Sports Cars Unleashed, where if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> there you go. Hell yeah. And then uh, what else, man? Go ahead and do the thing there. Yeah, if you guys need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow a beard that's going to give your own special cheese and sauce that's not going to be confused with our lame stuff, check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use that saucy sauceness to put in your face like sweet tobacco, bay rum, fresh, classic citrus, Dundee cedar, Woo, immense. The list goes on and your beard will be sparkling. It'll be smelling good. Uh, you can't go wrong with Dobbs and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. And you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So if you have a loved one that has a beard, you know what? Hook them up Christmas style with Dobbsies. There you go. Most definitely. And then also check it out. <coughs> Pardon me. Gosh, I hate this. Uh, check out our friends over at Gunslinger Soap. Check out the amazing soaps they have. Again, congratulations to you guys. They just uh, tied the knot to, uh, not too long ago. So congratulations, guys. And also check out our friend Leslie and the rest of our pals up there at CD Trade Post here in Wichita, down on Pawnee and Seneca. If you guys are in the mood for some awesome yeah. uh, movies, why buy new when you can buy you know, slightly used for a heck of a lot cheaper and still yes. get an amazing quality. Blu-rays, DVDs, pop vinyl, video games galore, and some kick-ass t-shirts. Hell yeah. Yeah, we all got a, a red shirt with black uh, yeah. horror uh, horror monster faces on this pretty badass shirt. So yeah, yeah, go down there and holler at them sometime. Check out what they have to offer. They have some awesome, awesome wares that they are selling. So cool. All right. Well, thanks for... Uh, Thanks for sitting through this one, guys. I know it might not have been easy because I myself am not entirely sure what I just talked about. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Three shots of uh, Maker's Mark might do that to a person. Yeah. But I feel better, I think. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that pixelated paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal your guide to the unusual and the strange.